0: Welcome to Spicy Techie, where we discuss all things technology with some friendly banter mixed in with your hosts, Ali Musa and Sienna T. Good, Good afternoon. afternoon. Welcome
1: to an edition here, a Wednesday edition of Spicy Techie. On the day of this recording, it is Wednesday, December the 20th, 2023. I am Ali Musa in studio, and uh, Sienna T is here with me. Happy to have you here as well, and Steve Berkeley. Happy to be here.
0: And
2: thank you for having me.
0: And it's great to have you as well, Steve. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. Can
1: you tell us? Start by telling us about what has changed. Uh, what any updates to um, Canadian assistive technology? I understand at one point you guys introduced a um, a payment plan when it comes to purchasing devices. If that, or can you tell us about that if you're able to?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, through our uh, website, or uh, if somebody orders over the phone, we can do it manually. Uh, we can set up a payment plan through a service called split it, uh, and split it lets you pay for something, uh, in up to 12 equal payments over the course of a year. Um, now there's, there's good and bad things about the split it system as I've discovered over the last little while. Um, the good part of course is that it does let you split up the payments and, uh, there's no additional financing fee or anything for doing that. Um. The downside to it is it's all based on credit card credit, so you have to have a credit card that can take the amount for the device that you're purchasing, Um, and what they do is they put a hold on that amount of funds on your credit card. So if you've got a credit card that's got a $10,000 limit and you buy something for $5,000, over the course of that year, you're going to have that $5,000 frozen. So effectively, your limit on that card goes down by the amount that you've financed. Um, so that's the downside to it. Um, but uh, but it is a nice way if you want to uh, soften the blow in terms of payment for a larger order or something.
1: But that's a bit of a blow in a sense. Like, let's say if it's less than that, let's say it's a $1,000 limit or on a credit card, then like what happens? So essentially it would freeze that, that thousand dollars essentially.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't, it wouldn't allow you to approve anything, anything over your limit.
1: Well, that's a, that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a, it might be, it, that's, it's a little bit of a a hurdle in a regard because of the fact like, see, then you can't make any other purchase then with that credit card. Yeah.
2: Um, Possibly. Yes. Yeah. That, that is the, uh, that is the downside to the split it system.
1: So like, so like as an example, then perhaps that might sort of clear it up that as an example, then let's say someone were to get a, um, uh, I'm pretty sure that you sell this. I didn't check to confirm. And I apologize if I'm um, the, for example, the, um, if somebody got, say the brilliant BI, uh, the the bi forty the the new the new one actually yeah with, with on that split it system so mm-hmm. what would what would be the what would happen there
2: okay so well let me look up the price of that one first off
1: sorry about that sorry <laughs> my <top> apologies <laughs> uh,
2: brilliant okay so the brilliant forty is uh where is it that's the 20 okay 40 43.99 so basically you take a four, 43.99 free approval on your card and then your payments would be 361.58 each month for 12 months potentially
1: i see and so that and, and,
2: As you, I should also mention that as you pay that down, that, that amount comes back available to credit, uh, on your credit card.
1: Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. That, then, okay. Then that, that, yeah, that makes sense too. Okay. So would that be like, Would so would that be handled through your company? Like, would you guys look at, like you guys would look after the, the, um, the, the payments cycles that?
2: No, it's automatic. It it's automatic. It it gets uh, taken off your credit card by Splitit. So Splitit basically pays us right away um the the full amount and then they just deduct the payments each month themselves.
1: Now, how would somebody get out of that deal if it's like now, okay, you have decided, well, you, you either you don't want it or um what's the what's the policy on that?
2: Well, to be honest, it's never come up. But uh, I,
1: I. So, how I, would you handle it?
2: Well, it would uh, w- once you sign the agreement with Splitit, you're you're in an agreement with Splitit. It, it's nothing to do with us anymore. So, as in terms of getting out of it, um, you've got a contract with with Splitit. Uh, I don't I don't think they would let you out of it. You would have to buy your way out of it.
1: Oh, I see. Okay, so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a so it's a bit of a system there. Um, yeah. Now, how about now when somebody says, like, let's say, for example, if somebody buys, like, let's say, um, like, do you got like if somebody like buys, let's say like a, a JAWS software maintenance agreement. And I have done that, by the way, from you guys. Um, do you guys then keep the credit card fo- on, on file or just the CNIB card?
2: No, the only thing we keep on file is the CNIB card or a, or a letter from a doctor. We don't keep credit cards on file.
1: What about like addresses and phone numbers and things?
2: Yeah, we keep that.
1: Yeah, so now that's something else. So just if you can just we can explain that to a little bit um, about that boat. So you guys like, ex- like about the tax exemption if they submit if you submit a CNIB card.
2: Yeah, so the the way that the GST Act is worded is quite specific. It says that anything uh, anything that's designed for low vision and blindness uh, is tax exempt when it's sold to or by the CNIB or another bona fide blindness agency or on the advice of a physician. So, as members of the CNIB, we can collect a copy of your CNIB card and we can exempt you from taxes on that basis or if we can get a letter from a doctor stating that you're visually impaired and require specialized aids we can keep that on file as a as a means of the tax exemption as well
1: i see okay so that that um that that makes sense and uh cian i'll let you ask some questions here if you have any follow-ups or go ahead
0: yeah no that's um that's great that um with the uh, CNIB card um with the tax exemption and um you know that that that's awesome and my my question to you Steve is um how did you um become involved specifically in the um assistive technology community um like what was your start in the assistive technology community, uh, specifically, um, you know, I'm, I'm always uh, fascinated to know f- from, a, from the point of view of a person who has cited um, how you became in- involved in the um, assistive technology uh, industry and the assistive technology community.
2: Well, you, you've you've got to go back a ways. We have got to go back to the uh, the wild old days of
0: 1990. No uh, worries. <laughs>
2: back back then, uh, I was fixing photocopiers. Um, I was a, a I'm a by trade I'm a, a computer technician, uh, and uh, I had gotten out of uh, my my training yeah. and gotten out into a world where I had just just completed a bunch of training on mainframe computers and and uh, mainframe systems. And uh, got out into a workplace where the entire world was switching to PCs. The whole PC revolution was just starting back then. And, uh, I looked around for work, but you know, in the PC industry, I didn't really have the skills. Um, and I ended up taking a job with a photocopier company, stayed with them for about three years. And, uh, I worked my way up to, uh, uh, the service manager for the company that I was, was working for. And, uh, Uh, I discovered that that position uh, meant that uh, I got all the crap for everything that went wrong, but I wasn't actually allowed to make any changes to stop things from going wrong. So I quit the company. And uh, back then, I was one of the few people in Canada who was trained in uh, color laser technology. Uh, That was pretty new out on the market back then. And uh, I'd been trained by Panasonic so when i went hunting for work uh there weren't a lot of places that did color laser but uh kodak was one of them and uh i sent my resume into kodak and uh i got a phone call and they said hey you know we're really interested in hiring you uh but we don't have a position available right now but we can create a position it's just going to take us some time so i was waiting around to, to you know have them create that position and my roommate got sick of, uh, seeing me on the couch. And, uh, he took my resume into this little company that worked out of the back of the computer company that he worked for and, uh, came back home the next day and told me I had a interview. I was like, well, hold on, wait a second. What, what do you mean a, a company that's renting two rooms out of the back of your computer company? That sounds, that sounds really weird. I don't, I don't really want anything to do with this. So anyways, he, uh, told me that, you know, I had the interview, so I decided I'd go in and, you know, I wasn't really taking it seriously. I didn't dress up or anything. You know, I was just went in sort of frumpy. And um, uh, that's when I met uh, Bob and Barb Vigorat, who owned Aroga uh, Technologies. And uh, they had been going through the process of hiring a technician to, uh, to repair the assistive technology they were selling back back then, which primarily was from a company called Telesensory. And uh, um, we, we chatted for a bit and uh, they, uh, Bob Bob and Barb were, you know, a couple of hippies from, from Winnipeg and uh, all of the guys they'd been interviewing were coming in in three piece suits. So when this frumpy guy came in, they went, ah, you know, we could, we could probably live with that guy. And uh, they offered me the job and I told him I didn't want it. And uh, Bob, o- over the phone, sold me, <laughs> sold me on the job. And uh, the next week, I started working for Aroga Technologies. And I, I stayed with them for uh, 26 years, uh, went from, uh, uh, you know, service tech into, uh, into sales, eventually became the VP of sales for, for the company. And the company expanded across Canada with, you know, at one point, we had offices in uh, Vancouver, Edmonton, uh, Toronto, and Montreal uh and then of course uh bob famously sold the company to uh, myself and a majority share to a fellow named grove bennett and uh, then grove embezzled all the money and ran off to australia and sunk a roga so uh so here i am in canadian assistive technologies now my own company and uh i can i can offer one sage piece of advice to anybody out there don't don't go into Business partnership with anybody who has dual citizenship because it turns out they can run away without any sort of uh repercussions.
1: Right now, now, um, now, Di Bennett, or or I think she went by Di Bennett, didn't she? Diane yes. Bennett, Di Bennett. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's Gro- Groth's wife. Oh uh, yeah. Oh,
1: I see. So, are they both now in Australia? Have you do you, or have you heard from them?
2: Uh, well, I, uh, I, I spent a lot of time trying to track them down as a matter of fact. Uh, I have not heard directly from them. Um, they, uh, when when they when, when Aroga went down, uh, Toronto Dominion Bank filed fraud charges, uh, and they filed it against all of the directors of Aroga, myself included, uh, and a, a number of names that I would never heard of. And I didn't understand why uh, those names were were part of those fraud charges. Um, when that happened, uh, Diane, Die went uh, supposedly for a vacation to Australia. Uh, and then uh, shortly after she went on this so-called vacation to Australia, Grove vanished uh, and left me holding the bag for everything. So it uh, uh, turns out she'd gone down there and scouted and gotten them Uh, you know, rented a place and, uh, they, uh, erased themselves from social media, got, got rid of Facebook, got rid of Instagram, got rid of everything that they were on as far as social media went, got their kids to do the same and the whole family just disappeared. Um, and, uh, it wasn't until, uh, I believe it was three years later that, uh, I found out where they were. And Grove owed me personally about $50,000. Uh, so I sent a lawyer, uh, with a demand letter to, to their home. Uh, the, whoever answered the door said that, no, no, there was no Grove Bennett living there despite the fact that there was. And, uh, we ended up serving him with papers at a tennis club that he worked at and, uh, about uh, two, three days after we served him with papers, uh, he filed for bankruptcy in Canada and uh, declared bankrupt and nobody got paid. So, uh,
1: so but what was the, like, so essentially then was he not able to, in your mind, keep the company afloat because he sold it to you?
2: Well, Bob, Bob sold the company to, to Grove and myself, uh, and he sold the majority share to Grove. So Grove had control of all of the finances and all of the banking. He moved all of the accounting into the Toronto office. Of course, I was in Vancouver, and he started doing all kinds of shady stuff. He, he was uh, uh, taking money out of the company and putting it into another company that he called Aroga Worldwide. Uh, originally, the idea behind Aroga Worldwide was to develop our own products and market them globally, um, but what Grove did instead is he found this multi-level uh, marketing pyramid scheme selling, you won't believe this, quantum-infused holograms. They're little stickers that that have a fancy pattern on them. And uh, according to uh, to Grove and the guys who uh, de- developed these stickers, uh, they were miraculous and would grant all sorts of wonderful things. Like you could use them for pain relief, you could use them for focus and concentration. Uh, they were marketing oh my one, oh yuck. yeah. They were marketing one for uh, uh, a uh, alternative to Viagra. Uh, you know they were making all sorts of spurious claims about these things. Of course, it was junk science, right? It, it, there was nothing to these stupid things. But uh, but Grove was running all over the place trying to uh, trying to sign up people. And as it turns out, I, I found out afterwards that he was paying all of the salaries for the people do, doing this, and uh, he rented an office and bought a bunch of stuff for that office, and he did it all with the Roga Technologies money. Um, so you know that contributed to the whole thing going under but uh he was also paying for home renovations from uh from Aroga Technologies uh he was paying personal expenses from Aroga Technologies he had an affair with a person uh, who was working for us and paid for their romance with Aroga Technologies money um yeah he 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 really uh, he sucked all the money out of the company. And as a result, we couldn't pay suppliers and uh, we couldn't pay our loans. And uh, the last thing he did before he left was he, uh, he took, uh, or before the company went down, I should say, is he took uh, our payroll money and uh, made off with it. So nobody got paid for the last pay period.
0: You know what? It's scary yeah, to think. It, yeah.
1: it, it's honestly terrible to even like, see, I mean you do see this at times in in business right i mean you do see this at times with people owning businesses and partnerships and with somebody else it's like it's like um but now canadian assistive technology i think it's been around now since about 20 uh, uh 16, 2016 20, no
2: 20, 2017 yeah 2017. we started we started in uh what february of 2017 i believe
1: yeah. So, what exactly happened? And I know, like, we had it was Ryan and Rob mm-hmm. employed at the time with the company. Yep. yep. And the story was that um they wanted to support you. That was what I, that was what I understood of it. Now, Steve, you and I have known each other a long time. We should probably point that out too
2: hmm Yeah. Um I can't even think me? of how long. I can't even think of how long, but a while.
1: Oh, it's been that long, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um that um but what exactly happened there? It it shut down and then they had then you had uh Ryan and Rob were kind of in the mix there a little bit that they wanted to they were waiting to come on essentially with the new company. Is that what sort of happened? How did that sort of tie about? It,
2: yeah, so there were there were four of us in the or five of us in the Vancouver office, uh, including our our receptionist Rachel. Um, you know, Rachel Rachel found other work immediately, but but Ryan, Rob, and Rick and I we we sat down and uh, talked about you know Aroga going down and what we were going to do next, and uh, we all decided you know we loved what we did. You know, we we love the work. We you know we uh, have a lot of experience in it and a lot of contacts and friends that we've developed over the years, uh, in the industry. So we didn't, we didn't want to stop doing what we were doing. Um, but, uh, you know, I had to get uh, a new company off the ground and I couldn't afford to hire everybody immediately, but because of the way things had gone down, uh, both, uh, Rob and Ryan, um, qualified for unemployment insurance or they call it employment insurance now, I guess. Um, You know, Rick, uh, having done all the repairs for assistive technology for for so many years, um, it just made sense for him to start his own company and continue to do that. So he he created uh, Chaos Technical Services, and uh, he's been running with that ever since. Um, After uh, about, uh, oh gosh, eight, I want to say about eight months, uh, I think, because I think... brought ryan on the following november and then rob shortly thereafter um and then uh, of course if, a couple of years later uh, rob got a better offer from sean Marcelet at blind beginnings sean and uh she she stole him away from me but he's still doing uh part-time marketing work for me um, and ryan of course is still doing uh, tech support
1: so is it basically now a two man company now?
2: Uh well we're back up to 3 again. Um you you probably have not heard yet but uh we've just moved into a new location. Uh Ooh. we're Yeah, we've got a we've just opened a brand new retail store uh in Vancouver. Uh we're now at uh, 828 West 8th Avenue in Vancouver, unit 106. Uh, we're a block off of uh, off of Broadway. We're about two blocks away from the willow eye care center which is the largest eye care center in uh, in british columbia and uh when it's completed construction uh sometime not next year but i believe the year after will be two blocks away from the laurel skytrain station which is part of the new uh the new uh, skytrain line going up uh broadway out towards ubc so it's uh it, it's a fairly accessible location. Now it's, it's, you know, near, uh, it's, it's a block off a major transit route right now, but it's going to be even more accessible, uh, once that Skytrain station goes in. So along with that office, uh, you know, I needed somebody who could be here full time in case I've got to travel or something. Uh, so I've hired a fellow named Greg McKinnon to, uh, to be the office manager for this office.
1: Oh yeah. And Ryan, does he work from home?
2: Yeah, Ryan's going to continue to work from home. He he's uh you know, he, he's not big into uh, independent travel, so he uh yeah. He's, he pr- he prefers to uh to you know, continue working from his home office. And that's fine. He'll come in here every now and then, but uh, for the most part he'll stay at his home office. Yeah.
1: No, you know what? And and you know what, Steve? I'll be honest with you. For me, it's kind of the same thing for me too. Like I find you know, I I find um It's more, uh, like, I find it's, uh, I don't know, and it's not laziness for me, but I just find that, you know, I'm able to just do everything. I don't know if you're able to see my uh, a bit of my setup here, but with this setup I have here, I'm able to do everything, you know, that I need to be able to do and know where everything is.
2: Well, you know, we operated for seven years as a, as a home-based business, you know, yeah. I, I would go out and do home visits with, with people and, you know, conduct all of the business via phone and email and, you know, the lessons learned from COVID, uh, we, we all learned that it, it is possible to work efficiently from home and, uh, you know, all of the tools are in place now to, to really make that, uh, quite seamless. So, um, yeah. So for, for Ryan, it's it's a it's a perfect setup. You know, he can do tech support when he needs to do tech support, and then when he's not doing tech support, he can lean over, grab a guitar, and start plunking away.
1: Oh yeah. 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 So you know, you have a
0: comment or a question? I, have a comment. I, I I was gonna say that I share um you know, I, I, I share this philosophy of you know, being able to work from home, it, it's its definitely not, and you're right, Allie, it's not um, laziness. It's all about the convenience aspect of it. And that's great, Steve, that uh, Ryan is um, able to work from home. And, you know, it's just, and and you as well, Allie, and uh, myself as well, um, is that, you know, it's great, you know, going into the office and meeting people, but at the same time, you know, you have every everything, your setup, you have everything where you know where it's gonna be. and um you know, even with the minimalist setup that I have um or minimal setup that I have, rather, you know, all I need is a computer and a headset with a mic and I'm good to go for the job at hand. and you know it, it's just a great experience as well to kind of be able to, get the, get the best of both worlds, but definitely working from home has been uh, amazing so far.
2: Excellent.
1: Yeah. Now tell us about now, Steve, you also, you and I, we had the, we, we had talked, we, we had conversations offline about it, but tell me about um, you um, have, um, you have a good connection with um, Mike Calvo now of course yes. of numa solutions yeah um do you essentially now what are they um based on what you know is he a one person company now or what is he ultimately do, did he carry some things over from the Saratech days i don't think the mobile network is around do you remember the mobile network
2: yeah um they, they they uh they still do have a, a version of that it's uh it's an app called Serro now S E R O um, which uh, I, I believe you'll find both on the android and uh, and iphone app stores um, they uh, they also um, uh, have carried forward with the uh, docu scan the their their scanning program um, and of course, they've released new products. So, no, he's he, to answer the first question. No, he's not. He's not working alone. Uh, he, he's he's uh, still working with uh, alongside Matt Campbell, who's uh, his main uh, programmer.
1: Oh, he inherited him.
2: Uh, well, he didn't inherit him, but <laughs> Matt actually uh, went uh, went and worked for a while with uh, Microsoft. I think um,
1: I saw that.
2: Yeah, and then uh, he uh, he came back to. Uh, to do um, NUMA solutions with Mike. Um, so now they have uh, a few different products. They've got uh, Remote Incident Manager for uh, for uh, accessible remote uh, uh, support. Uh, they've got uh, Scribe uh, for uh, uh, Documents, uh, which is a, um, uh, a means to make documents accessible. Um, and then they've got uh, Scribe for Meetings, which is a way to make uh, PowerPoint and uh, PDF presentations on um, uh, the Zoom platform and on the uh, Teams platform accessible.
1: Oh, that's, uh, yeah, no, that's uh, interesting too. But see, in the serotech like there was a whole, they had a whole, they were doing a whole bunch of things what ex- I don't from what you know, what exactly happened? Did he end up just leaving the company? Because then he he left the company, and then I think Michael Fox took over, and then he ended up coming back. Some he ended up somehow making his way back.
2: Yeah, I mean he he always had his uh, his stake in uh, in Cerotec, but he was uh, living in Cuba for a while, and uh, Michael Fox was was managing most of the. Uh, uh, the day-to-day operations. Unfortunately, Michael passed away, um, and uh, you know uh, Mike had to pick up the pieces again after that. So he's uh, he's back living in uh, in Florida again, and uh, and of course is is doing uh, has has moved all of the remaining assets of Cerotech into Numa Solutions.
1: Yeah, no, because there was like, remember, they had a whole podcast network, too. And there was all kinds of people that they had there. They had something really, I mean, it, it's funny because, you know, and I remember this well. And I'm going to share this, too, that, do you remember some kind of a change was made several years ago? And I actually, it was funny because I was listening to that. I, I was just actually in the middle of listening to the last episode of the Cero Talk podcast. Of the recent one that they had put out, and then as I was in the middle of it, that very next day, everybody they all all their everybody just posted to social media and said, "I'm out."
2: Quote. Yeah, and, I remember there was there was kind of a mass uh, departure of staff um, at one point, and and I'm not sure I, I I don't have all the details as to what happened there, um, but uh, yeah, there was there was a little bit of. Uh, um, I think there were some hard feelings uh, with something that had had gone on in the company.
1: Yeah. And that's it too. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly it. Now see, yeah. DocuScan plus that, that's always been one of their more popular products though.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's inexpensive, it's multi-platform. It's uh, quite effective. Um, you know, it hasn't uh, it hasn't really had any recent development, but it is still there as a as a product. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a good alternative to you know something like an an open book, which you know is still quite expensive.
1: And of course, the Envision AI app is still around too. That's still being maintained. Yeah. Right. So, like. Yeah, I I didn't think so because they had a Mac. I'm on a Mac actually, and they had a Mac version of DocuScan Plus. I think it's still around, but I don't think it's been updated in a long time.
2: No, I don't believe it has.
1: So now, um, so tell us now uh, about the um the shocks um the um the the shocks brands of headphones. Now they had a renaming there, um, from aftershocks to shocks, um now and now right now for monitoring I'm on an old I ha- as I mentioned off air I am on a I do have a pair of uh which one did I say open move um and uh but I also like for monitoring here with the mic, I use the old do you remember the old wired pair with mic maybe if you can start from there and tell us uh, what changes have been made there and tell us uh, your thoughts on uh, on uh, as a as a user of these
2: yeah so i i first started um uh dealing with them uh because they are a, an open ear bone conducting headphone um and what uh, a lot of clients uh were doing at the time was they were using gps apps uh or gps devices and um they wanted a headphone where they could you know, walk around getting instructions from their GPS, but still be able to hear the environmental noise of, you know, traffic and so forth. Um, So we started dealing with them uh, back when they were first coming out. Um, And over the years, uh, you know, their, their products have have developed more and more. Uh, They don't have a wired product anymore. Everything is, everything is wireless now. Um, So they've got, you know, Kind of your typical headset style uh, they've got four different products now they've got the uh, the open run pro they've got the open move uh, they've got the open run the basic open run uh, and then they've got one called the open swim which is actually a, a more of an mp3 player you load your your music into it but it is completely waterproof and you can use it when you're swimming um, then they've got um, one that's designed for uh, office communication called the OpenCom, which is it's now the OpenCom 2 uh, UC. Um, I'm actually talking on an OpenCom right now. Uh, and then they've just released uh, some uh, over-the-ear types of, uh, of headphones called OpenFit, Uh, they don't, they don't loop around the back of your neck like the other ones. They're just, they're just hanging over your ear.
1: Is that like an on-ear? Like a, is that an on-ear headphones?
2: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is.
1: Um, now is it, um, is it uh, completely wireless or does it, does it come with a cable?
2: No, it doesn't come with, none, none of them come with a cable at all anymore other than for charging.
1: Oh, okay. So. Um, so they don't come with, cause some, cause, um, cause some Bluetooths now come with a, um, they have a, they, they're Bluetooth, but they come with a cord that if you need, if you need to be, if you need to use, if you want to use them wired, like with the mic I've got or something.
2: Yeah. None of the shocks products have that option.
1: Right. Okay. So now, um, when it comes to then to charging, then, um, uh them how like um is it good to charge them when it i when when it goes to medium because i'm always in the sense of i don't want to run out
2: yeah no i um you know like i with these ones that i'm i'm using now um i i almost never even get to medium on them you know i can walk around with them all day but unless i'm talking on the phone constantly or uh, unless i'm uh, you know playing music through them or something um they don't they they last a long time um but i charge them every night um just because you know like you i don't i don't want them to run out
1: Yeah, right, because see, for mine, like, I'm often, like, I I keep, what I do with them is I keep them mainly for, um, I keep them mainly for uh, phone calls, Mm -hmm. um, like, so I've got, I always have them connected to my iPhone, yeah, and then, because it just makes it convenient. Now, if I want to pair it to the iPad, um, and I do have an iPad here now, can I, um, Like, uh, I know you can, do, I can do multi-point pairing, but is it going to be a case where they're going to start, uh, fighting for which device it connects to?
2: Well, it's going to connect to whichever device it sees first. Um, I don't know. I haven't looked at the new, the new versions in terms of whether they have multi-point or not. Um, I'm just looking at the, uh at the spec sheet form because I'm not really sure they do that I know the ones I've got the open comms I've got uh, like normally I would have them paired to my phone and I'm, I'm going through my computer right now but I had to turn off Bluetooth on my phone in order to get it to connect on my uh, on my computer I uh, uh, there's full specs right there uh, they are Bluetooth 5.1 yes they do do multi-point pairing now So so
1: like, is it going to then just kind of fight for like, so whichever one it sees first, but then what about forcing it? Like you can, do you have to do that from the devices, Bluetooth menu?
2: No, because they have multi-point pairing. uh, Now you would be able to just press a button on them and and switch to a different device.
1: Uh, Okay. That's interesting. Sienna, go ahead. So about the open
0: comms specifically, um uh, so i i'm i'm hearing you talk on them right now Stephen. you're sounding super cl- clear like podcasting quality um, and i'm almost wondering would uh, might you recommend the opencom for something like podcasting or internet radio right now i'm actually wearing a pair of beats Now, this originally didn't come with a wire with an inline mic, Um, however, there's a jack for one, and what I'm using now, I was able to get a compatible um, microphone, Um, it has the little boom arm, and it attaches to the uh, left ear cup, Um, so if you could describe the open comms a little bit, I'm imagining that it has a sort of, uh, boom mic, uh, protruding from one of the, uh, earphones and might you recommend if, if, so basically my question is if you could describe it for our listeners, uh, and might you recommend it for something like podcasting, um, and the benefits, um, of say, the open or pros and cons of the open com versus, say, an over the ear pair of headphones with a boom mic for um, phone calls and for um say something like podcasting, for example.
2: Um, the 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 open coms they do have a boom mic. Uh, it it comes off of the uh, the left hand uh, side of the uh, of the headset. Um, and the the microphone portion of it comes up to roughly roughly about the middle of my cheek, um, but um, most of the aftershocks have the microphone built into the headset part uh, itself. So um, the audio quality isn't as good for those ones as as it is for the ones with the uh, with the boom mic. And the boom mic on these is also noise canceling. Um, which is, which is helpful as well. So yeah, you could, you could certainly use this for, uh, for podcasting. Uh, you know, it, whether it's the, you know, the best mic for podcasting, I, I would say probably not, but, uh, uh, you know, you could probably get a, a better mic for it for that purpose, but, uh, but it's pretty good. I mean, as you can, as you can hear, it's, it's, it's not bad at all. So, um,
0: absolutely yeah. better than not bad <laughs> I yeah. was quite impressed actually
2: yeah and the, I I mean the the best part about it is you know you can you can wander about and you know you, you're not tethered to anything with them
0: you can make your phone calls and I think the only thing that I'd be worried about is latency but that's typically um a case when you're Especially for internet broadcasting, when you're using something wireless, um, but that that wouldn't be the headphones themselves. It just happens to be um, a common thing when it comes to using uh, Bluetooth headphones for uh, podcasting, for example. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely something to look into. Thank you so much, Steve. Yeah, no problem. Now, the only one thing
1: I'd add to that is that I don't think, now I'm going to ask, are you able to listen to other audio with that? Like if it's connected to your uh, computer or phone, are you able to use another piece of audio and listen to a podcast or something with the open com? If you try to play it, will it play?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it'll act as a standard standard set of headphones for sure. Yeah, I listen to music on it all the time.
1: And then if a phone call comes, I can always answer it?
2: Yeah, you'd have to pause what you were, well, I guess the phone would, uh, would override, uh, your audio anyway. So yeah, you'd be able to just answer it.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, what about now when it, now, um, can you tell us about the Taptilo learning Braille device? I've been curious about that. Uh,
2: yeah, I can, I can tell you about it. Um, uh, let me see here. Um, just gonna I've got to have my visuals here <laughs> so it's uh, is a Taptillo is a, a Braille training device um, and uh, it's got uh, it's got a, a built-in uh, set of uh, games and activities uh, covering uh, the English alphabet numbers and uh, 800 uh, plus uh, literacy words uh, divided into different categories based on uh, reading level. And it basically gives instruction. Um, it has uh, little Braille uh, cells that are removable and pop up and down. So if it tells you, you know, put the word cat, you, you know, pop up and down the, the dots, you put it onto the 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 device and then you press a button and it'll tell you whether you got it right or not. Um, it also has refreshable Braille on the front of it, so it can display Braille to you. And all of it is done in, in very large dot Braille. Like, it's not standard size Braille. It's, it's considerably larger than, than standard Braille. Um, but it's, uh, it's a really good way um, to introduce Braille as a concept and to, you know, give some structure to uh, early learning of, of Braille, and developing those early uh, literacy skills.
1: See, now what now I currently like see and I think that's interesting too. For me, like I currently use a now I am an experienced braille reader, but um and you can probably tell if you've ever received any any notes from me or anything, you can probably tell that I'm very accurate with that sort of thing when it comes to all, all the 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 spelling and everything of ever and making sure that I convey things clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, um, I use a, um, kind of a little bit on the top of, um, um, I use currently the previous model of the brilliant BI 40. Remember the new generation with the micro USB port on it? Mm -hmm. Yep. Sure do. Yeah. I use that one. Um, but are there still sort of, although they're not really making that anymore, but are there advent are there sort of advantages of just keeping that around? Well I mean it still works
2: yeah as long as it works, keep using it. Um, you know I there there are Braille displays out there that are still functioning from telesensory from you know 30 years ago So you know the the technology is actually pretty robust um, and uh, a lot of those Braille displays will, you know, they'll they'll last as long as they continue to be supported, right? You know, as long as as long as the uh, drivers get built into uh, programs like JAWS and so forth, um, they're they're still quite functional. You know, I imagine some of those old ones are probably dropping off the support lists now. But uh, um, and uh, of course, they were also uh, all you know connected through uh, serial or or parallel interfaces, which are no longer used on computers. So. Um, they're uh, probably also dropping off for that reason as well.
1: Yeah, uh, that's so. Get, get, what's the price point for the Tap Pillow Learning Braille Device?
2: Uh, hang on. They are eighteen hundred and twenty dollars.
1: See, I think that's the thing with a lot of this stuff that these things are. Um, yeah, um, that that they are very high in price point.
2: Yeah, that's always been the, the problem with braille is because there's so many moving components to a to a braille cell, um, and because it's being you know developed for a, a by by comparison to you know the mainstream consumer market, a very very small market. Um, there, there's virtually no economy of scale. Um, you know, you don't you don't get mass production of these sorts of things. Um, and with a whole lot of moving components, it it drives the price way up. You know, the price of a of an individual braille cell really hasn't changed much in the last uh, 30 years. Um, and you've seen you know different different attempts at, uh, at doing Braille in different ways. Uh, the most successful one is probably the the guys at Bristol Braille who make the uh, Canute. Um, you know they've got a, a forty-cell nine-line uh, Braille display that's about the cost of, of uh, you know, a, a, a regular forty-cell electric Braille display. You know, a, a Canute, um, uh is uh, forty-four hundred um, and fifty-five dollars, but you get you get nine lines. Now it's not as it's not as fast to refresh as you know something like your your end. Um, but you've got nine lines. So the idea is, for the Canute is really that it's more of an e-reader if you're going to read large amounts of braille. So you you know you start reading at the top, by the time you get down to the bottom you can hit your advance key while you're still reading the last line. It'll start refreshing the top of the display and it sort of cycles through uh, refreshing each line. Um, so it takes uh, a couple seconds for it to refresh the full the full set of nine lines. Um, but if you you know, get into a swing of things, you can time it out so that it you're you're basically reading continually on it. Um, but the way that they're doing Braille, you know we the, the standard Braille display uses what's called a piezoelectric um, uh, bimorph. So you've got three layers to to it, and you apply voltage to one side, it pushes up. you apply voltage to the other side of it, it pulls down. Uh, and then you've got your braille dots sitting on top of that getting pushed up or up or down through through the hole of the braille display. the uh, the Canute is using a basically a stop sign shaped wheel um, uh, and uh, it it has every there, there's two wheels per per braille cell and it has every possible combination of dots that you could have on that wheel. So it just spins the wheel around to the correct dot combination um to uh, to produce the braille it's kind of funky it it, it makes a lot makes a lot of buzzing noises as it's spinning stuff around um, aside from them the only other guys who've who've tried a different different way of doing braille uh have been uh uh the guys like uh, orbit research but um their their braille uh cells i've found my experience with them has been that they're just completely unreliable um, you know we we were handling their their braille displays for a while. Um, and we, we you know the 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 twenty cell uh, display that they made was fairly reliable. But when they came out with the forty cell, we just had problem after problem after problem after problem, and we were, you know we were swapping units out for people. We were uh, repairing units for people. We were sending stuff across the line to repair. After you know, I, I had one client that I think we went through three different units with her, um, and uh, all of them failed within a couple of weeks. Um, so we finally just we, we recalled all of them, all of the 40 cells, we recalled them and uh, refunded everybody for them.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, now as we wrap up, oh, yeah. Sounds good. Now, and as we wrap up here, and as, you know, we'll get to your question in a bit here. But as we wrap up here, um, um, can you describe how does it? How does a braille display work from a technical standpoint? Like um, it has. You've mentioned this in other areas before, but just so that because I've often been asked, how does it work? Like uh, there are pins inside.
2: Yeah, so I mentioned the bimorph. The, the typical Braille display has that, that three-level bimorph, and it's got one for every dot on the Braille cell. So you've got, um, with refreshable Braille, you've got eight dots, um, typically, because um, you've got those extra two dots to indicate things like, you know, cursor position or, or special um, attributes. Um, but uh, so every Braille cell has uh, eight bimorphs driving dots up and down, and then... You've got um, an array of however many, typically 40 um, uh, cells of Braille. So in, in total, you' you know, you've got 320 bimorphs bouncing those dots up and down. Um, and that's all driven through the screen reader, which is basically feeding to the Braille display what, what uh, information it's, it's supposed to be showing.
1: So there are pins there, so it just kind of pushes the pins down as as you type on the keyboard or something.
2: Yeah. So typically, like if you if you have your braille display in front of you and it's powered off, you can probably feel the dots, just the the very tops of the dots, just resting uh, slightly above the plane of the um, the surface of the of the uh, the the braille display. As soon as you turn on that braille display it pulls all of those dots down below the plane so that they're, they're out of reading level. And then it just pushes up the dots required for the characters that are being displayed.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that, okay. That makes sense. So do you have a question before we wrap up the show here?
0: Absolutely. A couple. And I wanted to thank you, or I wanted to, uh, um, thank you. Well, first of all, Steve, uh, for explaining the technical um, aspect of how the braille displays work, and I'm actually uh, looking at my uh, Focus 40 here in front of me, and um, you know I can kind of understand now uh, much better now that you've described it to us um, how how it works. So that's really neat. And I'm wondering, you, you mentioned that Canute that uses a, a different system of how the dots are uh, refreshed, how they're um, raised and lowered, and um, like with that wheel. And I'm wondering if, um, I believe Robbie was, I was just uh, checking out your website, and I believe... You, I'm not sure, but I believe you guys sell the uh, Braille Me, if I remember correctly.
2: Uh, we we did uh, for a while, um, and uh, that was another unmitigated disaster. <laughs> they, oh. they, they were they were another device that was just not reliable, and uh, we ended up taking back uh, a number of them um and refunding people for them i think yeah. uh of all the ones that that i sold i think there's only one remaining out there still still functioning
0: oh wow uh,
2: but the the weird part about that company was they just sort of vanished uh they they stopped responding to any sort of inquiries uh you couldn't raise them and the the information that i got via orbit was that the uh, the owners of the company had basically lost interest in it and had carried on to some other project and had just dropped the ball on uh, on the braille me
0: oh yeah but how did that one work um was that kind of the same as what the orbit was doing and uh what the canute was doing
2: yeah it, it's a similar technology to what the uh to what the orbit is is doing the uh the, the orbit is i believe using a, a solenoid system so it, it's basically a magnetic uh a magnetic uh um device that pushes the dot up and up and down um and uh, braille me used that same that same sort of approach um but uh uh it, it's quite it's quite different from the um from the way that uh, uh bristol braille's doing it with the canute
0: it's very neat I'm, I'm very fascinated by the technology that um that drives these braille displays that drives the uh the dots and it's really neat um because a lot of people ask me like how does this work and I kind of gave them the basic answer that um, you know the as the information is being fed from the screen reader to the Braille display, the dots are um, popping up and down accordingly. but now I have a better idea in my mind, a better picture of how it actually works. So I can, explain it better um using my focus 40 here mm-hmm. yeah and um shout out to rick chant um uh, he repaired it for me yeah, was tell having it. In- you you told it to yeah. offline but tell me the story tell 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 us the story here yeah so a uh, big shout out to rick chant uh rick if you're listening thank you so 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 much <laughs> you saved my focus's life um but um no it it was Having an issue where the space bar got stuck, and you know, as I was typing away, the space bar would just it got really like it's stuck, like it was not to the point where, um, like I could still I still had to press it in order for it to activate, but it was stuck right down at the bottom, um, and so. To the point where I couldn't press it anymore And um, Rick Was able to repair it He And right right away um, right, right away When I explained to him that the space bar Was stuck he goes yep I know exactly What uh, I, I, I know exactly what Happened he said you know it's a common Issue apparently there's some Rubber piece that I guess came off or or got loose and um so he so I sent it in and um he was able to fix it and it's working good as new
2: <laughs> excellent well yeah it's, so
0: it's a good,
2: uh, good shout out for Rick at uh Chaos technical services. Technical dot services com. Com. yeah highly recommend.
0: highly recommend him
2: as do I he does all our repairs for us yeah
1: Awesome. So, so if, they, if people have any questions for you, Steve, where are they able to, um, Are they? Um, can they uh, contact you with any questions?
2: Absolutely. Uh, so they can email me at steve at canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Uh, or they could uh, phone me. The toll free number is 1-844-795-8324. And they can also visit our website at www.canastech.com.
1: Sounds good, and um, and on social media as well, LinkedIn, Facebook.
2: We have a, a Facebook. Uh, just it's just Canastech on Facebook, um, but uh, I, I don't pay a lot of attention to it. I Have to admit, I've I've really uh, soured on social media. I'm not a I'm not a fan.
1: Oh, okay. No, no worries. And um, uh, you can reach um, the show here. You can reach me. Well, you can reach me at a couple of places. You can reach me at uh, broadcast map. You can also reach spicy techie and we have to give CNT radio a shout out too. Cause we've got a cosmopolitan culture club coming up this week.
0: That is right. And um, you can of course, uh, email me for all things spicy techie and cNT radio at Sienna t radio, s-i-e-n-a-t radio at gmail.com and um, yes absolutely there's not only a cosmopolitan culture club but there's also going to be a song bank on siena t radio and you can um, follow the show um, both shows actually the cosmopolitan Co- culture club is coming up uh, tomorrow night from eight to nine Eastern and the song bank is Friday night from seven to 9 p.m Eastern. And um, you can find both Spicy Techie and T radio um, in one of the following ways. Uh, all of the all of the following ways actually. Um, if you go to com there you'll be able to find the official pages for both Spicy Techie and Cienete Radio. You can also like both the Cienete Radio and Spicy Techie Facebook pages. Search for Spicy Techie and search for Sienna Radio. And don't forget to like the pages. And you can also email, you can also email me once again, radio at gmail.com and you can of course connect with me on linkedin at sienna trigiani on linkedin as well so lots of ways to get in touch
1: yes and if you're listening to broadcast map which i hope you follow that feed as well i know you guys get the updates oh yes <laughs> i know you guys do i know you and steve do so yep um so what's coming up there uh the guest list the guest list um we have Anybody can pull it up. Claude Faye will be coming up in a little bit, um, and um, and then uh, Claude Faye um, spent many years in Toronto sports media, um, and uh, we will have him on. And on Thursday, we got to give this a plug. Brock Richardson is going to be hopping in. If um, there are some updates to the neutral zone, will it be coming back? Well, we well stay tuned to find that information out. Unless you're listening to my conversation with Dave Brown from Monday, of course, but otherwise, you know, <laughs> Spoiler alert: if you're not, <laughs> yes. if you haven't had a chance to listen yet. Absolutely. Steve, thank you so much as always. And I really look forward to having you. I hope we can have you back down the road in the future.
2: Happy to come back any old time.
0: Thank you so much, Steve. And um, <clears throat> I wanted to give a, a shout out uh, for those of you who followed uh, Tech Extravaganza. Steve um, was also uh, Steve was also a regular contributor on uh, Tech Extravaganza um, when the Tech Extravaganza program was on at CNIB. And uh, looking forward, Steve, to having you continue to be with us uh, here on Spicy Techie. Always a pleasure to have you. And thank you so much once again for joining us.
2: Thanks again for having me.
0: Our pleasure. Stay tuned for more Spicy Techie on our next Spicy Techie. We will be continuing our tutorial on. Google Drive and Google Docs. And specifically, we're going to be looking at sharing individual files, uh, collaborating on individual files, as well as sharing folders. So that's coming up on our next episode of Spicy Techie. And um, as we always remind you, it is never, never goodbye. It is. Until next time. Take care, everybody, and I want to wish each and every one of you on behalf of the entire Spicy Techie team a very merry Christmas, happy holiday season, season's greetings, and a very, very, very happy and prosperous new year 2024. And there'll be more Spicy Techie before the new year. Stay tuned. Take care, everybody. You have been listening to Spicy Techie. To learn more about the show, please like the Spicy Techie Facebook page. Search Spicy Techie. We are always reminding you. It is, is. never goodbye. Never goodbye. It is. It is. Until. Until. Next. Next time. time.